Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Columbus, Ohio. The Blue Jackets score in the first 145 of the game. Coyotes win anyway. Arizona wins 3-2. Cooley and Kraus scored the tying and go-ahead goals within a 28-second span midway through the third quarter. Excuse me, third period. I'm Jerry Torini. What happened? Oh, yeah, that, uh, that was a tough one. Uh, tough one in schedule-wise, travel-wise, fatigue-wise, emotional-wise. With the win, Yotes are now one point ahead of the St. Louis Blues in the final playoff spot. Day off today, Yotes at Winnipeg tomorrow night, face off 5 o'clock. ASU a hoops winner, but it was rough. 71-69 versus UMass Lowell. They were down nine at halftime. They did, however, force 21 turnovers. Jose Perez had 20 points and four assists. Frankie Collins, though, big one. 11 points, eight steals, five boards, three assists. And those last two points were on a driving layup at the end of the game when Bobby Hurley chose not to call a timeout. I, I like uh, those scenarios, uh, kind of a, uh, I wouldn't call it a broken play, but, but you don't give your opponent uh, really a chance to get set, get the defense set. It worked. They now head to Vegas later on next week. They got a Thanksgiving tournament that starts against BYU Thursday night, 10 o'clock. ASU football, they take on number six Oregon tomorrow. That kickoff is at home at 2 o'clock. Let's go through the weekend of sports, not only with ASU. Suns start the weekend off tonight. They head to Utah, but they've got two games against the Jazz. Bradley Beal is on the trip, expected to start. If he does, it will finally be the first Booker, Bradley, KD actually starting lineup. Tip-off tonight is at 8 o'clock. Tip-off Sunday in Utah is at 6. Same thing, U of A basketball tonight, football over the weekend. They take on Belmont tonight at 9 o'clock. Football is against the defending champion, number 22 Utah Utes. Kickoff against Utah is tomorrow, 12.30. That's the Arizona Cardinals. They're taking on the Houston Texans on the road. Buda Baker, you're going up against the rookie of the year. And there's some people that think the MVP, C.J. Stroud. Yeah, you know, I see a great player, great QB as a rookie, you know, um, making all the correct checks, making all the correct, uh, you know, adjustments and, um, you know, getting that ball out, whether it's intermediate, you know, option routes or even deep balls. So, you know, all around great QB. Yeah, that guy's doing it all. Kickoff for that game comes up at 11 o'clock Sunday. NFL last night. Fantasy footballers pay attention. Bengals lose at Baltimore 34-20. Lamar Jackson, nice day. 16-26, 264 yards. Two touchdowns, no picks, and he ran for 54 yards. But he lost one of his best weapons. Mark Andrews, tight end, potentially season-ending high ankle sprain. Bengals, they lost Joe Burrow to a wrist injury. So two premier players going down. Here's what's crazy. Do you realize right Right now, the Houston Texans have the last spot in the playoffs. Yes, the Texans. And finally, 
McElroy is playing in the DP World Tour Championship. He steps up on the par 3 13th hole, hits it a little left of the green, and... Just gently up the hill, semi-blind tee shot, only really seeing the top third of the flag. He hits it left. It bounces over one woman and lands. Ooh, that would be a tricky up and down. Yeah, I wouldn't I say up and down, sir. Four under. It lands in the lap of another woman. Rory McIlroy's ball. As the ball sits in her lap, Rory acts like he's going to hit the ball and then asks a referee to come over in the precarious spot of the ball. It was ruled she could hand him the ball, get up, and he could get a free drop. It was not ruled that he gets a hole in one. Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander in chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Just learned one of the weirdest stats. Joey Otani got the MVP of the AL. Ronald Acuna Jr. got the MVP of the NL. First ever time. Both leagues had a unanimous winner. But here's what's crazy. Think how bad the Angels have been over the last 10 years. And yet the Angels have won 50% of the MVPs in the last five years. Oh, my gosh. Good morning. Good afternoon and good evening. <laughs> Whatever it is that you just, why is that so funny? Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, Rattler's Rising, and the Burke. You didn't think I'd get through it. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Um... You could be totally new to the show. That's kind of a running joke with old school members of the Unplugged Army. As I was developing the show, I would start with different intros over that music bed. 
And if you want to go back like a year and listen to them, they are absolutely hysterical at how bad I was at trying to get it. And then I I don't know whether this was an entertaining part for the Unplugged Army or if you always fast forwarded through it, but I would literally spend three minutes complaining about my ignorance of being so frustrated that I didn't get it right and then laughing at myself at the same time. So hopefully you were entertained by that. Uh, But my stat, think about that. Over the last 10 years, the 14 other American League teams have won 50% of the MVPs. The Angels have won the other 50%. And how bad are they? That is crazy. Five MVPs won by the Angels over the last 10 years. Oh my gosh. Mike Trout, he won three of them. Shohei Otani has now won his second. That's their five, and yet they're one of the worst franchises in baseball. I have a friend, a dear friend that watches or listens to this show all the time. So I don't want to be insulting because his friend is Artie Moreno. I don't know Artie Moreno at all, the owner of the Angels. But, sir, you're either not a good owner or the worst at hiring people in baseball. To have five of the last ten years, you've your franchise has won the MVP. Oh, my gosh. I know you didn't wake up and say, Doug, what's your opinion of the Angels? I, I realize that, but that's just so ridiculous. How are you? Oh, yes. Um, I, I have a big meeting. I'm excited uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday, and I think Jeff Weir Production knows about it. I think he's going to the big meeting. Well, first of all, Okay, but this is between us. Don't tell anybody this, okay? I hope the person that I'm going to see there doesn't know this. I'm going to 100 Mile Brewing Company Tuesday. That's in Tempe, right where rural Scottsdale Road and the 202 all come together, okay? Behind Makayos and behind the hotel is 100 Mile Brewing Company. It's not in the hotel. It's not in Makayos. It's, it's a separate building behind both of them. So I have a lunch appointment at noon. Here's what's hilarious. I don't know who it's with. Like, I literally have no idea who it's with. I got a text from somebody that says, Doug, it's so-and-so. I really want to meet with you and talk about the things that you've got going on. Uh, you know, when's lunch? And I'm like, I don't know. All right. I mean, I'll always get beer. So I said, I'll meet you 100 mile bro. I said, because I gave him options. I said, what, what city do you want to meet in? Do you want to meet in, in Litchfield? And, uh, and I said that because of the wigwam. I said, do you want to meet in Chandler? And I figured we'd go to Sivlik at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Do you want to meet in Tempe? And I'm thinking 100 Mile Brewing Company. Do you want to meet in uh, Scottsdale? And I'm thinking Bell's Nashville Kitchen. Um, or do you want the other uh, different part of Chandler at Ray and McQueen? And we go to Rosati's. Now, Angel, you know I love you. But I didn't offer Burrito Express because, you know, I wanted beer. Uh, but, man, Burrito Express, could you imagine if you guys had beer? Come on. So anyway, that was the options, and he chose Tempe, so I'm going to 100 Mile Brewing Company. So I'm meeting with somebody, I don't know who they are, Tuesday at noon, and then Tuesday at 2, that's when Jeff and Izzy and CEO Chris are expected to come by, and we're going to film our new 100 Mile Brewing Company commercial. If you want to be a part of the commercial, just show up. We'll figure out a way. I don't have a script. We'll figure out a way to get you in the spot. So if you want to come over and have a brew... Uh, that would be hilarious to have different members of the Unplugged Army there, and we're all doing a toast. Hey! You know, having a good time. So if you want to be in the commercial, we're filming it Tuesday at 2. You don't have to be there exactly on time, and I have no idea how much standing around you might do. So don't come in and think it'll take five minutes, and, uh, and, and I promise you I won't leave the split second it's over if I don't have to. 
No scripts either, by the way. No scripts. Um, no scripts. What I'm going to do this time a little differently. I am going to do my recording where I'm asking different questions to sue the owner. But I'm only going to do that audio wise and then I'll edit it clean and send it to you guys. So you have a voiceover mm-hmm. and then that'll just be a 30 second voiceover and bam, you can drop it into the spot and make life a lot easier than some of my other crazy ideas that I've had in the past. So uh, they were fun, though. They were fun. We had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. 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 I'm still hoping. OK, here's what we're talking about. I had two ideas for Burrito Express with the Borgay family. Idea number one, I thought worked very well. And I, I think CEO Chris is waiting for me to do something. And I'm kind of like, hey, just put it together. Um, <laughs> the second idea was a more long form and I would edit out pieces, parts. And it was a bad idea. And what's really horrible about the idea is CEO Chris probably told me 17 times, I don't think that's going to work. Sure will. I kept telling him he was wrong. I wasn't even remotely right. Like, there's not even one part of it where you go, oh, Doug, you were right right there. You know, no. 30 minutes of video, I, I didn't get any of it right. So that's all right. Um, so anyway, here's our dilemma. It's still a dilemma. We have not officially decided what are we going to do with Beer Friday. So on Beer Friday, starting in December, it is Beer Friday presented by 100 Mile Brewing Company. And specifically for me, I I love the A-Mountain Amber Ale. I think A-Mountain Amber Ale is the best beer in Phoenix. Now, I admit I'm picky. So for those of you that are beer connoisseurs across the spectrum of beers, I'm not your guy. I can't stand any yellow beer, and I can't stand beer that's got a fruit taste in it. Don't fruit my beer. However, I hate coffee with a passion, so I don't like any stouts at all. Like, don't say, well, you will. No, I won't like it. It tastes like coffee to me. I don't want a stout. Porters, there's a couple I can try, but I don't like anything with the phrase nut brown in it, okay? I like peanuts in beer, but I don't like peanuts in my beer, so I don't want a nut brown ale. So I am amber ales uh dark ales things like that are what i like so Kitlifter, samuel adams boston lager uh i used to like that rebel ipa from sam adams but some ipas just taste like uh kids experimenting with things so beer friday is going to be sponsored by them but we have Kitlifter cans and i don't think they have a mountain amber ale in a can which means we need to bring in a keg well what am i going to do with a whole keg back here I mean, obviously, I know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm not going to sit here and drink the whole thing on the show on Friday and then ask the 19-year-old, hey, will you come pick Daddy up from work? (laughs) You know, that's not a great idea. So I got to take the keg home, and I don't have a kegerator. So we'll have to do that. All right. Anyway, even though they don't sponsor it yet, still, wrong beer, but correct brewery, A-Mount Amber Ale, don't look at the can, don't look at the can, A-Mount Amber Ale, Beer Friday, Almost sponsored by 100 Mile Brewing Company. Cheers. Oh, what is this? Oh, look at this. Beer. Oh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. Brought to you. That's awesome. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. Okay. Uh, story time here on Doug Franz Unplugged. Uh, you got to hear this one. And this is, I am slapping, I don't want to say that. <laughs> edit that out of the uh, tape. <laughs> I, am, uh, I am mocking Megan Rapino right to her face. Right to her face. For those of you who haven't heard the story, and I have not brought this up because I, 
I love my religion deeply. I realize there's flaws. I realize human beings screw up religion, okay, all the time. But I am a deeply religious person. I just don't, I don't want to dump that on you. But Megan Rapino said something that offended a lot of people, and I'm, I'm not offended by what she said. I was shocked at how you could go to that level of arrogance. But, but just so you understand very quickly, um, she got injured in the last ever game of her career at the NWSL champion in the championship of the game. And then she said, this is proof there is no God because she got hurt. And it's like, you're that arrogant to think that God tried to do something bad to you, number one. If he was doing something bad to you, how do you not think you deserve it? And that at the same time, how does that prove that you're that arrogant that you're thinking, well, God would never let Megan Rapino get hurt. I mean, it's just it was just a ridiculous statement. It doesn't matter whether you're the biggest atheist in the world or whether you're the Pope, okay? It doesn't matter where you are on, on the God spectrum. To actually think like that is one of the most arrogant things I've ever heard. Bad thing happens to me, that means it proves there's no God. Well, to me, God proved himself last night. That the second you get selfish, bam! And and it's so funny because the nicest, most giving person in the world just smacked me in the face yesterday. Here's what happened. There is, in the Catholic religion, you have young men that are following the path of becoming a priest. So those are called seminarians. And the Diocese of Phoenix has a wonderful golf tournament that helps to raise money because it's expensive. Like you're going to an expensive college in a sense as you go through the seminary. So we help raise money and scholarships for these young men. So this is a golf tournament yesterday. I don't get to play in the golf tournament because it's during the show but I'm the MC of the lunch of the tournament. So as I'm preparing for the lunch, I'm reading the raffle items. And for $100, you get five blue tickets, all right? And then you do whatever you want with your five tickets to put them in prize buckets. So you increase your chances of winning if you put more tickets in a certain bucket. So they had foursomes to Legacy Golf Course, because that's where the golf tournament was. They had um, a wine fridge and about 20 bottles of wine from throughout the world. They had this unbelievable whiskey display, where one of the whiskey bottles was the head of a golf, uh, of a driver, a very expensive scotch, a wonder, gorgeous looking tequila, and a whole display case and a whiskey decanter. This thing was awesome. They had a rangefinder, and they had something else. I, I forget what it was. I looked at that whiskey display and thought this thing is awesome. I mean, and I'm not like I'm a whiskey. It had this huge thing of of scotch, expensive scotch. You're gonna laugh at me. I'm totally a beer guy, except for about three weeks in the winter. And then I drink scotch. I love sitting outside by the fire when it's about 40, 50 degrees. And then you're kind of cold, but you're kind of hot with the fire. And then sipping scotch and talking. It's like a date night by a fire with my wife. Love that. And then one year we spent Christmas in Flagstaff. And I almost drank half a bottle of scotch over the weekend. When I was up there and it was that cold. It was like 18, 25 degrees, something like that. So anyway, I loved the whiskey. I had just gotten done with a conversation with the director, one of the directors of the golf tournament, a woman named Sherry, telling her how much Jennifer loves wine. 
well, I buy the five tickets, I'm ripping up the five tickets, and then I'm putting all, I, put, I was getting ready to put all five tickets into the whiskey. That's what I want to win. Okay, I don't, I, I don't need, you know, God bless Legacy for hosting this thing, but I don't need a foursome at Legacy. I, I love the, the two courses I play. I love the Wigwam. I love Whirlwind. I do like the Biltmore, but uh, I, I can't afford the Biltmore. But I, I love the other two, so that's where I play golf. So I'm not, I don't need a foursome at Legacy. I don't need a rangefinder. I want the whiskey. So I'm getting ready to put all five tickets into the whiskey. And Sherry says, you just said your wife loves wine. I said, yeah. Well, then put something in the wine. And no, I, I don't I don't know. No, this is I'm here. If she wants it, she can buy it. No, you got to put it in the wine. No, not doing it. And she's guilt tripping me. And she goes, at least put three of them in the wine. What? You want me to go above 50%? No, and fine. She badgered me enough that I gave Jennifer one. So I put four tickets in the whiskey. I put one into the wine bucket. So Father Kurt comes up, and Father Kurt's going to draw. Okay, four simple legacy. And, you know, I'm on the microphone. Number three. Oh, good job. All right. Hey, you would. Blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, uh, we, do, we do the wine draw. And he goes, okay, for the wine. Three, 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 eight, eight, seven. And I know in my head, because it's an easy number to remember, I've got three 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 eight eight eight, and then tickets around three 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 eight eight eight, and he calls three 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 eight eight seven. That was the first ticket on my ticket strip of five. I took the top one off, put it in the wine bucket, put the other four in the whiskey. When they drew the whiskey, none of my four tickets were chosen. I won a wine fridge and 20 bottles of wine. I mean, is there ever a moment in your life where God is saying, you could have had 20 tickets in your little whiskey bucket, and as nice as your wife is, I gave you the gift of this wonderful woman, and you wouldn't give her more tickets? Here you go, tough guy. That's great. Now, it gets worse. (laughs) There's no way with today's interest rates I could afford a kitchen redo. (sighs) That wine fridge does not fit in the kitchen. The only place it fits, and is this the most Catholic thing you've ever heard? The only place it fits is in our Jesus room. When you walk into our house, the very front room to your right is the Jesus room. It's also a music room. The the 1800s piano is in there. My daughter's viola is always laying on the floor somewhere in there. I don't know if my other daughter's drums are still in there. Basically, I'm not being a very good Catholic because I don't go in the Jesus room a lot. I I should do that. Now I just realized I got a hole in my life. But I walk in and now we look around and that's the only place for this to go. So right when you walk in, there's a wine fridge with 20 gorgeous bottles of wine in it. It looks awesome. Well, just think you could go to church and have communion, and then you could come home and have communion again. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Uh, It's just, it's crazy that I have this when I didn't want to win. I want the whiskey. So so then, um, needless to say, I went to bed early last night, just so you know. 
because my wife loves me. So that was that was my evening with, and and she's just so happy with this wine, just so happy. And I'm like, man, this stinks. I I never win anything, and now when I win, it's exactly what I didn't want. And I only put that ticket in there. Well, like if that's the winning ticket, maybe that that number would have been drawn for the whiskey. That was the ticket. So thanks, Father Kurt. That is for so costing fantastic. me a kitchen remodel. All right. Uh, I planned on telling you that story in about two or three minutes. <laughs> that was about 10 minutes. So I better get moving here. Uh, sound credits today. We've got uh, Buda Baker from azcardinals.com. We got Bobby Hurley from the Sun Devil Source. Thank you, Chris Carbon, um, for Hurley Sound. We have. Let's see, what else did I? I don't even remember. Oh, we have Andre Turini from uh, uh, Coyote's PR department. And I, th- I think that's it. Um, Rory was from the DP World Tour Skynet, not Skynet, Sky Sports feed. Skynet. <laughs> yes, yes. Sarah Connor is the producer of Skynet, if you're wondering. Um, I, th- I think that's it. I think I got everything. All right. Uh, does anybody want to do a talk show? <laughs> Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One today. Uh, it's a short one, but it really is my number one opinion. And even though I'm not a Cardinals fan, I am a Cardinals supporter, supporter. I want you to be happy. But I'm tipping my cap today to the Houston Texans. With the Bengals lost last night, the Houston Texans are now officially the seventh seed. Now, granted, we still have all the way until January to play football. But the Texans are 5-4, and four, and they have the last playoff spot. And I am not a fan of Cal McNair, their owner, as a person. I'm not a fan of how they've run that franchise for such a long time. But I got to tell you, as we sit here today, I can't be more thrilled for two people and mock everybody else in the NFL. Head coach D'Amico Ryans and quarterback C.J. Stroud. Head coach D'Amico Ryans was probably qualified to be a head coach about three years ago. I pray to my Lord and Savior that it was not racism that took this long for him to get the job. All right? I, I hope it wasn't. But whether it was or it wasn't, I still mock most of the other 31 teams. Not all of them. I mean, a couple guys you're not going to fire. But for D'Amico Ryans to be where he is right now, and yes, it's nine games into his NFL head coaching career, man, he could stink the rest of the way. But for him to be where he is, it is so funny compared to everybody else that thought I had a better option of hiring somebody else. And number two, for the teams that passed on C.J. Stroud, I should say teams, for the one team because their owner wanted a medal and didn't want to let the football people make a football decision. And yet he's still, David Tepper, going to turn around and blame everybody else for somehow not talking him into it when he only surrounds himself with yes men and anyway is hysterical so let me say how much joy is in my i'm sorry to you bryce i'm I'm sorry that i'm saying this but how much joy is in my heart with every carolina loss not because of the carolina people not because of frank reich not because of young but because of david tepper and then i look at D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud, knowing there's a lot of people that didn't believe in you, and you have done nothing but keep your head down, your mouth shut, and outwork everybody. That's awesome. Congratulations to both of you. Cheers on a beer Friday to C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans. 
All right. Number two, opinion. When am I going to stop saying all right every single time I'm ready to change subjects? I have been doing that since the middle of the night, Doug Franz Unplugged. That crutch has got to go away. I mean, let's make an adjustment, tough guy. Let's go. Uh, sorry that I'm talking to myself. Okay, coming up next. But you don't have to play the music yet. Oh, you did. So keep it going. Because that's awesome. Jeff Weir Production. This was going to be a long tease. But I would rather you get fired up and, and hammer those things fast. So I'm okay with that. But uh, coming up is going to be the last installment of the Ron Miniger Chronicles, which was never the name and it's not a good name. But I just started having a little bit of fun with it. The former COO of the Arizona Cardinals uh, has been amazing all week long. And we have taken so many different things. And if you have not listened to all of them, I totally think this is worth it. Even if you have nothing to do with the Cardinals, even if you're in the NFL working for another team, there's so much to learn about what has gone on in the past and potentially what could happen in the future. Day one is for all of us. If you have an alcohol problem, and I realize you might think this is hypocritical on Beer Friday, I don't think it is because I've totally taught my children how to respect alcohol and I am extremely careful about whether or not I'm driving home from any time I'm having beer and and making sure my alcohol intake is one beer an hour or less before I'm getting behind a wheel, things like that. And I've told you about my very interesting story uh, uh, with police officers. And if I haven't, uh, next time you and I get a beer, I'll, I'll repeat the story. But it is very powerful in teaching you the lessons. Well, Ron Miniger had a terrible DUI. And I understand that it affects his credibility. And some people thought he was a disgruntled employee before he talked about the Cardinals. So Monday's show was about overcoming alcoholism and establishing his credibility. So if you believe up, he's just a drunk, or if you believe he's just some disgruntled employee blasting his old owner, listen to Monday's show or view Monday's show so you can see Ron Miniger in the face here on WTSMTV.com. Listen to it. The podcast is on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. But this is kind of one of those things you might want to look the man in the eye, and you can do that on WTSMTV.com. As long as you are a basic member, you can watch the replays on demand. Tuesday show, we dove more deeply into the situations that led up to their relationship deteriorating between Michael Bidwell and Ron Miniger, his COO. Wednesday, heavy day as it relates to the whole reason why we talked to him. Terry McDonough has filed an arbitration complaint with the NFL against Michael Bidwill, accusing him of dramatically affecting his career because Terry McDonough refused to take part in a burner phone scandal that was meant to circumvent the Steve Kime suspension. Cardinals, on their point, say, yes, the burner phones happened, but Michael didn't direct it, and as soon as Michael found out about it, Michael put a stop to it. We pretty well exposed what I believe is the dishonesty in that statement. That's an opinionated statement by me on Wednesday's show. Yesterday was about the culture of the Arizona Cardinals business office and one situation with one woman in a horrible tissue incident. You think I'm joking. Wait till you hear that on Thursday if you haven't heard it. And the culture of an in-house survey. Coming up next is now the future. It's a little more of Ron Miniger discussing what does it take for the Cardinals 
to become a sustained winner in the NFL. We look through past problems and look ahead to the future. That's coming up next. There you go, Jeff Weir Production. The exclusive conversation with the COO of the Arizona Cardinals, and nobody in the media has got this. And this is where you get exclusives when you watch WTSMTV.com. My name is Doug Franz. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Just gently up the hill, semi-blind tee shot, only really seeing the top third of the flag. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. You gave a stat a little while ago that was a little surprising, and I I have not done an independent verification of this, but I trust you, that the winning percentage of the St. Louis Cardinals Mm. is higher than the winning percentage of the quote-unquote Glendale Cardinals. And you know why I'm being specific. They had very unfortunate situations once they moved. It's it's very difficult to succeed at Sun Devil Stadium. So I'm, I'm not talking about that, but... We were told as a fan base, build that stadium and the Cardinals are going to be able to compete and be what we have hoped for. Granted, we're fans, yep. perennial winners yep. or at least sustained success. And to hear you say a factual statement of 48 percent St. Louis Cardinals, 47 percent winning percentage, Glendale Cardinals is kind of a punch in the face. Yeah. And as you mentioned, not enough maybe stand up and say an opinion people that are in the building does that affect winning why i, I think it why does do the arizona cardinals win well i I, th- I think it does but i think that's uh you know that's probably um 
much further down the the waterfall, you know, in terms of importance. I think it's something. I think so that's the start of the waterfall. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the reality is, is um, you know, you you did a, a a great interview the other day with uh, Bobby Dooley, right? Uh, Phoenix, yeah, president and general manager of the, uh, the local Phoenix Rising, who is one step below the MLS yeah. in the soccer hierarchy here in Phoenix. Yeah. And I think I think you know some of the things that he said is applicable whether you're you know talking uh, you know um, you know soccer or, or football as they call it in, in Europe where I've spent some time lately, uh, or the NFL or Major League Baseball, or whatever. Right? It, it, I think you know one of the things that he said was that they are not shy about um, you know understanding what they're there to do and they're there to win right and everybody in that organization understands that and it's not just saying about it but they understand what their role is uh, in terms of how you know how how do I fit into that right and and there's no uh, I, I've got this thought that um, you know uh, unstated uh, uh, expectations lead to unmet expectations right and I'll even go back to the you know situation with, with Terry McDonough you know in my view, completely unfair to Terry because once Steve was suspended, um, you know, in my view, uh, what should have happened is Michael should have pulled Terry aside and said, okay, in Steve's absence, here's the things I need from you. Here's what I expect from you. Here's uh, how I'd want you to do stuff. Not to say that you're going to be able to cover every single circumstance, but at the end of the day, here's what generally I expect from you, right? Any good uh, sorry to interrupt, but I... I, I I just made the assumption that it, that happened. That in that natural leadership, if if you're quote unquote temporarily promoting someone to a new yeah. position, doesn't every boss in the world say, "Here's the role of that position. This is what we expect." Yeah. Once again, this is me speculating because yeah. I haven't been in every single meeting that happened between those two guys, but I never saw any evidence of uh, you know uh, uh, a direction being given in oh terms of gosh. these things I would like to have happen, and this is what I need, right? And uh, so you know, when you have unstated expectations, the, the only logical conclusion to that is you're going to have unmet expectations, right? And so I, from going back to the Terry thing, uh, if from that perspective, he didn't have a chance. He was going to end up getting the wrath one way or the other because if it wasn't the situation that happened with the burner phones, it would have been something else during that six weeks. I'm, I'm convinced of that, right? Mm. Uh, and I think, so to going to, you know, to the question that you asked me, and I apologize about the sidebar, but you know, that from from my perspective and from my view and from my experience is, um, you know, the first thing is we've got to acknowledge that we're a football organization, right? And at the end of the day, our our objective is to win football games, right? Uh, and so, what do we? Where do we put our time, our talents, and our resources? Where do we where are we spending that in order to make sure that we are accomplishing our stated number one objective of being a winning football team, right? You let them know what the, you know. You make the statement, and, and yeah. it can't be okay. You stand up on a podium every five years and say we're committed to winning. You, you got to say it. You got to express that. Show everybody how they fit into that. Give them the resources to do their job. And as I said a little bit earlier too, um, you know, do some course correction where needed. Give some pats in the back where needed. If this particular strategy is not working, what do we need to do to course correct there? And where do we have to apply resources, dollar, time, talents, whatever it might be? And if it's not working, then you've got to make make changes right but at the end of the day when um you know you you know you're 48 percent for 24 years in st louis you're 35 percent. i think i'm right on this for the years that the club was in um 
Sunday 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 Sunday. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a circumstance. I, I guess you could argue should never have made the move without, you know, totally agree. But I don't know what the circumstances were there. So I'm going to give benefit of the doubt there. But it was a 35 percent club. And now uh, and uh, I, I stated this in my resignation letter, we're 47 percent. Right. Uh, and not only are we having the same lack of success in the field, but um, our culture sucks. Right. And so why, why can't you? Can't, can't we be in a position where we hire really talented people, which we have, and the mm-hmm. club has, uh, um, let them know what their jobs are, clearly, you know, mm-hmm. define what those roles are, give them every resource they need to be successful. As I said, give them some pats on the backs when, when, uh, when they've done a great job, which happens a lot. Uh, not the pats on the back, but they're doing a great job. There's mm-hmm. some really talented people in that building to this day, uh, tons of them. And uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we can sit and guys like me can sit here and preach this all the time. You know, we we put together a hundred page, um, you know, kind of a strategic plan every year. You know, two days before uh, I got my uh, my uh, my separation agreement, you know, I turned in the 2021. And it wasn't just me sitting on some, you know, on some tower somewhere, you know, getting manna from heaven, you know, putting our plan together. We worked with every single one of our department heads and everybody, you know, was in involved with that process, right? Which I think is, is a good process. So you, let me be sure. You turned in, you, you told him, here's my letter to, let's talk about whether or not I should resign. That had happened months before, yeah. And, and yep. then you turned in the 100 page plan of how to get better as an organization. And then you get the separation agreement. Well, is that the order? Yeah, but, it, but there's nothing wrong with that. The reality is, is that, you know. I just find it humorous. Yeah. Oh, thank you for your contribution yeah. of how we're going to get better this year and goodbye. Well, I was getting paid, so I still had to do my job, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, it was, it was you know, uh, yeah, I don't have any issues with that at all. I was, that was my obligation to do my, you know, continue to do mm-hmm. my job, right? But anyway, the 100 pages. Yeah, but you- so, but, you know, in there, um, you know, the reality is, is that if, if we don't over time, uh, you know, aren't successful in doing the things that we said we were going to do, then how about let's look in the mirror and say, OK, maybe it's not these guys. Maybe it's me. Right. And when you have a, a history of, of lack of success, you know, um, I think there needs to be some in, internal soul searching. I, I will tell you this from my own perspective. I know I didn't accomplish all the things that I had hoped we would accomplish or we didn't accomplish them when I was there. I remember, like a matter of fact, the 2020 plan that we put together was a look forward, but it also, there was a front part of it, if I remember right, was looking back as to what we said our stated objective was in 2010. And uh, in 2010, we kind of did a 10 year look forward and not only in terms of revenue, you know, targets and things like that, but also what we wanted to do more from, uh, you know, from a football perspective, we, you know, sustain success was the mm-hmm. phrase that we talked about all the time. We have to sustain success. And we were fortunate where, you know, under Wiz, we had the Super Bowl run, you know, a hot hand to Kurt and, you know, uh, Fitzy. You know, I heard you talk about Fitzy the other day, and I want to come back to that in a minute okay. here, too. Um, and then, you know, we had some success with with Bruce and we we weren't able to build upon that and sustain it. And it wasn't in my view anyway. It wasn't because Wiz suddenly became a poor coach or B.A., you know, um, it was more of, um, I think, decisions that that that, you know, are made at the top in terms of um, how do I say this? I, I think. I think there's a comfort level that comes with owning an NFL club, right? Um, even if you even if you don't have success, 
you're going to have league revenues coming in, right? And uh, while we can say we want to win, are you backing that up with putting everything you know into the pile, saying let's let's chase this thing? And I'm not talking about doing short stu- term stupid decisions. You've got to you've got to make these decisions, and it's 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 a it's a series of little decisions sometimes that lead into a uh, into mm-hmm. a big result. So uh, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but you know it's it's got to be you know you just got to you, you can't just say you're committed to winning. You have to actually go out and prove it. And do it. I, of course, the man wants to win. Yeah, but. In your opinion, is he committed to the sacrifices it takes to win? Like for me, giving an example, I am I spent five years of my radio career in the SEC yep. in Huntsville, Alabama. Yep. I have seen commitment to winning yeah. in the SEC. Yep. Some of the money that's being spent on Big Ten facilities. Yep. I actually have a strange theory. There are SEC players, Big Ten players, yep. that come from college football to the Arizona Cardinals, and they step down yeah. in facilities. Sure. Um, well, let's let's talk about that. Okay. So, I, I, well, am I right? Is that good speculation? Like, what, what is that a Super Bowl winning facility? I hate right to, I hate to admit that uh, that you're right, but I think you are. Um, so there was there's always five or six things that I thought were decisions that an organization has to make and, and maybe not decisions but areas that you have to be really mindful of if, if you're gonna if you're gonna have it you know the first one you know uh, for me is and unfortunately this was reported about uh, you know number uh, a while back early this spring you know the NFLPA you know uh, poll that came out where you know the Cardinals and, and, and us were, were poorly graded for mm-hmm. all those kind of things and from from my perspective, um, you know, this is this is a players' league, right? And uh, um, you know, the the players are um, you know one of the, the most critical element as to whether we're going to have success on the field or not, right? So everything that they come into contact with with our organization ought to be first class. Uh, and you know, and and you maybe even have to overplay that a little bit when you're a club that uh, organizationally has been perceived as not being that way for years, right? So uh, you know. There are some things that I think you probably could do if you spent the time and the energy, even at the existing facility. You know, it's funny you say this. I was stopping you only because yep. earlier in our conversation, you talked about you leaving Anaheim, and it was Michael that kind of helped convince you that the reputation of the cheap yep. Arizona Cardinals was going away. Before you got there, there was a player named Mark May, Super Bowl winning yep. offensive lineman for the Washington at the time called yep. Redskins. Yep. And he talks about after practice, the water was free, yeah. but you had to pay for the Gatorade. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking there's no way that's true. And yeah. I'm not trying to call Mark a liar, but I just yeah. always thought there's no way that's true. And then you just mentioned it, for those of you that might not know, the NFLPA issued a, a survey that was anonymous in which they rated every NFL team in certain areas. Yeah. And there was one aspect of that story that I'll never forget. It was 31 teams will make a to-go dinner for their players. The Arizona Cardinals, if they do it, they charge the player for it. Now, we can argue all day long, should billionaires be providing meals for millionaires? But whenever 31 teams say this is the path to winning, and the Cardinals are not the Patriots, Doesn't that mean we need to change that? That to me, that's the one that shocked me. Yeah, and you know, I was once again sitting on the beach in Hermosa when that <laughs> uh, when that's in, and I I don't take any joy or pleasure even having this conversation, but it is those kinds of things that really do 
you know, people form attitudes, have attitudes, perceptions, and beliefs about organizations, right? And when you've got, you know, the the, the group of, of young men that, you know, you're asking to go out there and perform every day, um, and, and they feel that way about, then I think they're, and I think I need to give them And you know credit. the players talk to each other well, from of course they do. Teams. Yeah, of course they do. And I, I'm, I'm going to step back now because I do think that Monty and Jonathan and Michael have probably done some things since that came out, so I want to give them their due there. Um, but, uh, you know, is it, is it sustained? You know, is mm-hmm. it is it enough? I don't know. But I think that's a question that you have to ask. That's the first thing I would ask all the time because this is a player's league. I'm, so I'm going to start with the players and I'm going to end with the fans, right? Yeah. So there's, there's six things total that I've always thought about. Uh, the second thing, uh, once again, getting back to, to you know, kind of the, if, if our goal is to win, um, you know, our facility, right, and the training facility. Yes. And, uh, you know, our training facility here, uh, and I don't know what the plan is long term, I, I don't know if there is a long, but it's, uh, the, the footprint itself is not sufficient, you know. We've got a practice bubble out there that is not a full length field you can't do kicking game stuff in there and all that and it's it's good to do some drill work and stuff like that when the weather's too hot or you know whatever it might be Um, but there's no reason an nfl club in my view once again this is just my opinion um ought to be playing uh or ought to be have their training facility not be absolutely state-of-the-art right with uh you know i've I've seen some of the the ones around the leagues minnesota vikings other places like this where your your indoor facility is you know super high ceilings permanent structures as opposed to bubbles um, and just the footprint of and the layout of the facility itself is updated and modern and you walk in and you feel like you're you know you're walking into a place that's pretty special um, you know the, the I, I think the 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 building there, um, and I don't, I don't know if that was part of the NFLPA study or not, um, for a variety of reasons, is not nearly sufficient. And, and I would entertain It was that. negatively reviewed. Yeah, I, w- I would, would have thought so. Uh, once again, there's g- good people that are working in that building, but yeah. the facility itself is not is not nearly, um, it, it's it's not, it wouldn't be rated in the upper tier by anybody, I don't think. And, and having said that, so what do you do about that, right? Well, I absolutely believe that um, there are partnerships that you could come up with um, in terms of doing a deal with somebody that happens to have a ton of land uh, that would love to have a NFL, uh, you know, training facility on their site. Uh, but you've got to be willing to do a win-win relationship. You've got to be able to, uh, you know, construct a partnership where not only do the Arizona Cardinals benefit from having this relationship, the other party does as well. And uh, sometimes, um, you know, it, it can't be a, a winner take all kind of a you know environment, and I think unfortunately that is the case sometimes. So you know, so the training facility is a, a third area. Do you think Michael would ever give up a share of ownership in order to build? Something like no, that. and it doesn't even have to be that though. It, it doesn't, doesn't have to okay. be that at all. You know, I, I think of it more in terms of a, a development, you know, kind of a situation where plot of land, right? And uh, you know, you have certain rights um, for bringing your training facility in here. Mm-hmm. You can negotiate what those things are, uh, but the developer or the the landowner also has certain rights to develop other properties around here that they will monetize. Well, it be whether it be retail, whether it be uh, hotels, um, office complexes, and stuff like that, where you know. Your your uh, training facility is part and parcel of, mm-hmm. of a big thing, but it's kind of the anchor and the main attraction, right? You know, the dynamics of Phoenix are different than a lot of yep. other cities. Um, being a West Side person, I say that you know, there's this phrase of East Coast bias yep. when it comes to the country. Well, there's East Side bias sure. here. Sure. West Siders will drive to the sure. East Side anytime. East Siders flip out if yep. they have to come anywhere past Central, yeah. and they go crazy. But do you think the Cardinals missed an opportunity that once they made the decision to come to Glendale, right. 
with all of that land, why not a training facility there? Yeah. Why not new developments? Why not like, like the Atlanta Braves, the whole Battery Park area? Yeah. They own a lot of that. They yep. created it. So instead of sure. saying build a building and build it and they will come. Yeah. Brave said, we're going to build it and yeah. we're going to build everything. Why, why not that for the Cardinals? Yeah, and I, I can't lay any fault there because that, that process is getting the stadium built. And you, we, we talked a little bit about yeah. the politics that were involved there. That was a complex situation. And, um, you know, uh, just thankful that for the, state, the sake of the organization and Cardinals fans that we got this beautiful new home and, you know, a, a hell of a lot of uh, facility for the dollars that were spent on it. You know, yeah. it's, uh, you know I think uh, everybody involved did a great job there. But there's no reason to say that that your training facility has to be adjacent to your stadium. In some respects, it's maybe better that, that they aren't, right? So you could do you could do a training facility uh, anywhere around here right. that you had a willing uh, partner that uh, you know had had the available acreage to do it, and uh, um, but you have to be willing to uh, to be uh, you know uh, go into a deal that would be a win win for everybody, Speaking right? Speaking of so, training facilities, I have to ask this. A strange question. Do owners get jealous of other owners and get jealous of attention? The reason why I ask that is since you've been gone, yeah. you know all about the Robert Sarver situation. Yeah. Yeah. I say all about it, but I'm yeah. sure you've read about it. So he then he only gets suspended by the NBA for a year. Yeah. But it is the advertisers like PayPal and Kroger, the owner of Fry's, who says we're going to fulfill our commitments. Yeah. But we're not re-signing as long as he's the owner. Yeah. But Robert Sarver had just invested in a new practice facility yeah. over by State uh, State Forty Eight or State Forty Four and, and, oh, and Wa Wally's Pub, Free Pub. <laughs> I like I like their fish yep. and things like that. That's where the training facility yeah. is. Matt Ashby has only been the owner for a certain number of months, and yep. he is already planning a one hundred million dollar facility just south of where we're recording right now yep. in the warehouse district. So it's like boom, right yep. in the face of, yep. of Robert Sarver. Yep. This is what I'm doing to win. Well. Yep. We're just discussing whether or not Michael Bidwell needs a new practice facility and boom, Ishby is here for months and it's already getting done. Yeah. Does that motivate other owners? Does that, how, how do, in your experience yeah. as COO? I've never been an owner, so yes. I, I can't tell you what exactly goes to mind, but uh, I would venture a couple of guesses. Number one, that I, I do think, um, you know, owner of a, an NFL club or owner of an MLB or uh, Major League Baseball, uh, NBA, whatever it might be, probably is fully aware of, you know, what other owners are doing in the marketplace or outside of the marketplace, right? You referenced yep. at the start of our conversation today, uh, you know, the success. Uh, Jerry Colangelo was having and, and all that stuff, you know, so I, we were clearly aware of that, you know, back in the early 2000s. Um, so I, I think part of the answer uh, is, is, yeah. And, you know, if, if it's, I'll just put it in the context of me and my friends, right? Uh, you know, you always want to, and, and I fail miserably in all these aspects, but you always want to, you know, be the smartest, be the strongest, be the mm -hmm. best golfer. You want to have the nicest car, the biggest motorcycle, all those kind of things. And it's it, it just the way men are sometimes. Right. Guys are, owners are, are that way too. Um, but I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the driving force, but I do, I do think, for example, in our league, um, you know, you see owners like uh, Jerry Jones that gets a ton of the attention. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't mean this as a criticism, but I, I have noticed that, um, I don't know if that's happened organically, you know, here in town. Uh, and I do know that, you know, there's, there's, uh, 
a, a very, it looks like anyway, a, a concentrated effort to make sure that Michael's front and center on mm-hmm. an awful lot of uh, um, stories and, and uh, you know, videos that they come out on, on club owned uh, um, you know, broadcast properties. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but I guess I would say that at the end of the day, it's, you know, the, the, the two groups you really need to be aware of are your players, you know, uh, and then your fans. And so I, I put the focus there uh, and less, less on the owner. You Did know? you ever feel like the focus was there when you were there? As much as you tried to make it on uh, players and fans? Uh, yeah, I think I think there were periods of time where we had some success with that. Um, like I referenced 2014, 2015, kind of that area. Bruce was here there. I think, I think the wealth was getting spread probably okay. appropriate that, yeah. at that point in time. BA, uh, you know, has a, has a compelling personality. And so he get, got his attention. Um, you know, certainly an owner deserves a, a portion of it. I think our players got quite a little bit back then and our fans were feeling good about themselves. Is you want them to because at the end of the day that's what this is all mm-hmm. about right we don't have anything whether you're on the player side the management side or you're working at the stadium on game day if if the players you know aren't front and center on this thing that's what made this game great so and then going back to just the other things i'll just go over real quickly is i, I want to make sure i'd want to make sure that you know we've got the uh the, the best player personnel department uh, you know the top three or four in the league and uh, i don't know who's there anymore mm-hmm. you know there's always been some talented people in the building uh once again not only talented people but people that are willing to uh, stand up and fight for their position they're feeling a, a player you know that's that's a tough business man that's that's cut. but would you feel the, the investment from michael was there for an example <clears throat> player personnel yeah I, I don't know how many scouts the patriots have yeah. the packers have but the organizations that we say yeah. here are winning organizations um i don't want to go as, as, as difficult as it staff but sure Ticket sales, yep. office people, the the great question. The the human beings do do the Cardinals compete manpower wise mm. well with the with whoever you would say, I respect this organization. Yeah. So whoever in the mind of Ron Miniger yeah. is a well run NFL team. Yeah. Do the Cardinals invest in the people, the, the sheer numbers of people yeah. in I, a way that contributes yeah, to that's winning? A, that's a great question. Um and I can't answer to now because I haven't sat down and looked right. at the media guide to see who's there, both on the football side and on the business side. I don't know that. I, all I can speak to is my, you know, my 20 years there. And I it's know it's sample size. Yeah, it's, it's decent. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, we were undersized and, and the NFL is a different animal now than it was in 2000 when I first got here. But even then we were we were undersized and, and that might have been a direct reflection of, you know, we were tenants at ASU. So there's a lot of factors yep. that go on on that social media. So to be fair to go from 2006 yeah. until your resignation. Yeah. So the, the way I so, so I mentioned earlier, you know, we we put together a strategic plan every yep. year. Right. And one of the things that uh, I had our group do each year was uh, they would basically do uh, an assessment and evaluation as to specific to their department, okay? Whether it was marketing or ticket sales or sponsorship sales or activation, any one of the departments we have, broadcast, social media, whatever it might might be, we would have them do an assessment. And we would have them pick, um, here's the people that, here's ranked one, two, three, four, and five, their opinion of the best NFL clubs in the organization 
um, and then a self rank. You know, so there'd be six okay. columns in okay. this thing, right? And we, we rank ourselves number. Our department head ranks themselves their department number six in the NFL or number three or number fourteen, whatever it might be, right? And so once we identified who those clubs were that we thought were doing a really good job, we would do a fairly deep dive relative to, um, you know, what were the initiatives that they were doing, you know, that they were having success with, what was working, was mm -hmm. wasn't working, and and then also one of the elements was I think it was a separate page on each one of these areas departments uh, was okay how many employees you know and we'd break okay. it down by you know within within a market department x amount of people doing this x amount of people doing that kind of a thing so right? in a sense the Eagles have this many people yeah. in Eagles. ticket offices and <laughs> yeah. Cardinals have this many. yeah so okay. he's a great example because the Eagles the Vikings and a lot of clubs in the business side anyway would show up an awful lot because they were doing some things okay you know, that we perceived to be the right way and you were normally lacking uh, no no I, I, I won't ever see it that way but okay. um um, first of all, I'll put the talent, uh, you know, level of people in that building against anybody in the NFL. I truly will. Uh, and that includes folks that have come in since I've left. I've just, I think they do some good work there. But really as do. you said, differing opinions yep. means more people. Sure. And yep. It the, sounds the, like the thing I would say the numbers, the thing I would say to you specifically about the numbers is. And once again, this is solely on the basis of um, the business side of the operation. Yep. Um, I did take a look years ago at, you know, kind of how we were structured player personnel uh, just in terms of sheer numbers and, and stuff like that. And that's a completely different conversation. But here I remember and I may be off on my numbers, but let's just say for sake of argument that um, the, the evaluation we did um, once again amongst the top five, uh, let's just say that across all the departments on the business side, uh, they averaged uh, 150 employees, right? Um, we were probably closer to the 100 range, right? Now, that doesn't mean we were 50 people less than the average club, necessarily. Mm -hmm. it, it might not mean that it's a complete apples to apples comparison, necessarily. Um, uh, and it might not mean that, okay, we could hire more bodies, but if they're not talented and if we don't have a place to put them, you know, yeah. but it what we would make a collective decision as to, okay, here's what we need to push for, right? So if we were gonna build our social media group or our activation group or our, our sales departments, we would be um, strategic about how many head counts we were looking mm -hmm. to add and stuff like that. So I, I, I think we, and I'm guessing they still do, take a little bit of pride in um, the successes that they have on the business side um, are done knowing that, um, Perhaps they aren't staffed as fully as some of the other clubs that yeah. might be so from our ranking, you know, top five clubs in that specific area. The six things I always, uh, you know, kind of uh, look at in terms of uh, us being successful, you know, organization on the field and being committed to that is uh, number one, you know, just the, the player amenities. And we've talked a little bit about that, but, you know, everything that the players touch when they walk into that building has got to be first class, right? And, you know, uh, literally um, keeping up with the Joneses in, in some respects of the word, right? Number two, um, you know, our training facility, you know, that, that ought to be in the top four, five, six in, in the league, and it's not. That's just a statement of fact, and I don't think anybody would dispute that internally or externally. And there's ways to go about yeah. doing that, but I think it has to be part of a win-win partnership, perhaps with uh, with a developer or something like that. Um, you know, from uh, from the third perspective is, and I think Monty and, and, and the group over there has taken some steps here, but. 
do an honest evaluation each year where we are from a player personnel perspective. You know, that's a that's a tough business. We started to talk about this, but it's it's a business where you're probably only right 50 percent of the time. Yep. You know, the, the good ones are maybe right 56 percent of the times. The ones that aren't so good player personnel guys are probably less than that. Right. But it's a tough business. Everybody's got to have the strength in the backbone to, to stand for their positions and all those kinds of things. So that uh, and I think Monty's probably all over that already, just based on observations. Um, and the fourth thing, um, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that I think about often here is um, just from, a, you know, from a, um, uh, uh, anal analytics perspective. Right. Um, I think they've taken some strides there. And analytics is, is important, not just on the game day stuff, but it's, you know, uh, preparation for the draft, et cetera, et cetera. We use it on the business side, started to do an awful lot of that. So there's no reason if, if, if I'm, you know, a president, CEO of, of an NFL club, I want to make sure our analytics uh, department is, is top three in the league. Because you can win that whether you're small market or large absolutely. market. That's a huge. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I think you I think you position yourself for long term success if you if you've got mm -hmm. that aspect of it nailed. Uh, I think that's four or five uh, is really having an organization where everybody understands where they fit into it, understands what the role is and that there's relationships. You know, we've got in the building over there, um, you know, Tempe training facility. There's a natural separation, um, you know, between the uh, football side and, and the business side, but it's in one building. But there really isn't an area. If I was designing a new training facility, I'd have separate spaces. You have to have separate spaces. They're two completely different functions, but I'd have one gathering place in the middle where you know people could get together and I, I would make sure and, and I think Michael does a pretty good job at this point is he does a, a monthly all staff not a meeting where everybody's in it now do we really talk about the things that we should mm, maybe not all the time but you need to do that and then lastly this is the most important thing number six is is our fan base you know, everything we need to do has got to be about the fans, you know, um, and you know, fans more than us want to win. You know, fans want to be able to go to work on Monday and be super proud about not only the way their team played, but the results over time. Especially right? in this market, when your oh, neighbor's yeah. a Vikings yep. fan, the yep. other guys are Raiders from fan, somewhere else. Yeah. And if you lose, they're ripping yep. you when yep. you get to work. What's what's been fun for me this last week or two is with, uh, you know, as, even, you know, the club is what one in whatever right yep. now. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, but they're playing with heart, you know, and it, it seems like like there's, you know, there's some enthusiasm in that building, which is awesome, you know, with Monty and with Jonathan and all the assistants have been brought in. But now there's a new level of optimism coming up, even with all the losses that have happened so far, because you got QB1 coming back. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's fun. Everybody, everybody wants this club to be successful. And that's the thing about, that's the beautiful thing about mm -hmm. this is how do you mess that up? You, we can't mess that up. You have, you've got this group, everybody in town wants you to be successful. Let's just go do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. What do you hope comes out of that? <laughs> yeah, I uh, had a thought about it in the context that you just laid it out there. And this is, as we said, at the, I think we kind of established at the front end that I didn't desire to do this. This is, uh, you know, I told you the reasons why I think you and I are here today and all that stuff. But I, I guess I, I've got to, if, if, if I could, uh, you know, um, see some prayers being answered, it'd be maybe uh, a number of things. Number one, uh, I'm just going to be blunt about this. The, the people um, that have been harmed, um, you know, I would like to see them uh, be made whole. And, uh, you know, whether it's the Terry's of the world, whoever else has been, you know, been harmed. Um, the ESPN reports, it says two pregnant women were completely balled out by Michael Bidwell over different yeah. situations. Yeah. And those two are still on staff, according to ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. And I you know, have a ton to add there. But I'll just say, generally speaking, you know, I, I you know, 
I do believe that there are consequences to certain actions that uh, happened in, in, in uh, people's careers uh, and reputations were harmed, uh, particularly Terry here. So uh, I hope that by the time this arbitration thing ends, that uh, you know what is uh, true and right uh, gets acknowledged there, and that you know Terry's made whole, whatever that looks like, and you know uh, an apology made to Terry and anybody else that you know has been harmed as a result of a, what I you know consider to be a. Uh, Going back to when my employment there, you know, a workplace culture that wasn't very good, right? I, I would hope that, number yeah. one. Number two, um, I, um, you know, I and, I and I mean this, is like I hope that the reports that I've heard um, that there are improvements being made, you know, that Cardinals, uh, you know, have talked about here since some of these stories broke. Uh, I hope those are, are true things and I hope those are sustainable things that are, are going to continue to be there after the spotlight is no longer being shown here, right? So, uh, and then I think the third and the final thing is I, I just, you know, I go back to, you know, how the relationship, uh, Michael and I, how it started. And I, one of the things that just struck me when in that resignation letter, whatever you call it, is I made the point that he's, he's not happy. I want to be happy. You know, he's, he's, he's a guy that is it's somewhere deep within him is, that's still there. And maybe other people see it, and I just didn't see it because of how our relationship had deteriorated. But I want him to be happy too, right? Now, in order for to do that, I think there's some things that in, we all have to answer to our own God. We all uh, answer to God. We also all have to, you know, answer those things internally like I did with my, uh, you know, with my sobriety. Um, uh, so I don't know what that means for Michael, but, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to see him, you know, with a smile on his face. Mm. Get rid of self. Get rid of self, man. You know, you got a ton of talented people in that building. Uh, you know, let some other, you know, some other folks that work their asses off in that building get a pat in the back from time to time. It's not all about you, you know. Uh, it's about players. It's about our fans. We, we were talking about that earlier, and you know, our fans, our fan base gets maligned you know, nationally from time to time. And I think we got some of the greatest fans out here that have stuck with an organization mm -hmm. for a lot of years, and in, in ways that other people wouldn't. And as I said back in 2014-15, uh, you know, the number one fan satisfaction levels in the in the league, and proud of that kind of stuff, right? But to, to Michael specifically, is like maybe I kind of said this already. Let's just. I'd love to see restitution made to those that have it coming. And I don't even know what that list is. You know, the, we've read about the Terry McDonough story and all that stuff. Um, I think Terry was damaged badly, uh, harmed badly. Um, you know, I'd like to see an apology there. I think that'll be, you know, the apology itself would be good for Michael's soul, in, in my view. Wow. At least it would be if, if I was in, in, those, in, the, in that seat. But just take a step back and realize how blessed you are. You own an NFL club in a place that is a phenomenal place to live. You got a fan base that absolutely loves this club. And, you know, we haven't given them enough reasons to love this club over, over the years, but they've stuck with, you know, the organization. Just recognize that. Realize how blessed you truly are and have that be reflected on your face every day when you walk in the building. Walk in with a smile. There's going to be some Cardinals yeah. employees watching this. Hmm. What do you want them to know about Ron Miniger, or what would you want to say to them about what's going on? Well, it's weird, you know. First of all, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to be uh, bold enough to to give them uh, any, uh, you know, any thoughts relative to what I think they ought to be doing as it relates to their employment. Just continue to do the great job you're doing, and uh, uh, you know, there's some talented people in that building. No, uh, this is funny, I, you know. When you ask that question, the first thing that went from my my mind was, um, you know. Uh, 
I left on a Saturday morning, uh, packed the, you know, my personal belongings and, and drove out of the gate for the last time on Saturday morning and hadn't told anybody that I was leaving. Um, and so I would just love to, uh, to, if I did get a chance in front of everybody, just say thanks. Yeah, just say thanks. Since you never got to say goodbye to the staff, yeah. you never got to say goodbye to the fans either. Nor, nor should have, because uh, you know they, you know, the fans don't necessarily know who I am and didn't have a ton of interaction with me. But I, I will say this, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that was really cool to, to, to see happen from two thousand, you know, to uh, when I left in two thousand twenty was. Um, you know, I got, I did get, uh, get this, but we did, uh, I think we called them fan forums and, and I would typically try to hang around and talk to a number of folks afterwards. And I came away, you know, it's, it's funny that the, you know, the Cardinals fans are, are kind of maligned, I think, nationally. And I think that's completely unfair, right? I think, matter of fact, proportional to the amount of success that we've had, I think the fan base here is damn huge. And that building, I believe, is still sold out every game. You know, we had season ticket base that was 50, 55,000, you know, in a 60,000 seat building. So that's pretty damn strong fan base right and they have stuck with us for uh through thick and thin and in a lot of respects i think deserve better right and and deserve to know that they've got an organization i'm not saying that they don't now but have an organization that's absolutely committed to winning absolutely committed to making sure that that uh interaction between uh, fan and organization is a you know a, a super top priority of, of the organization and that one of the things and i can tell you this going back from my days there is one of the uh, metrics that we looked at uh, each year was, um, you know, uh, I think we called it, it was one of our three top drivers. It, uh, it was uh, three things. It was, um, you know, how, how do you feel that you're being valued by the team? I think we called it sense valued, right? And um, we knew when they weren't happy with us. And we typically knew, we knew the reasons why, and and I hope and I expect that that the club is still doing that, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're not feeling valued as a fan, you're not going to be a fan for very long. And we've got a fan base here that maybe it's not as big as the Arizona, or as, excuse me, as the you know Pittsburgh Steelers, the Packers, or whoever it might be. Uh, but I think if we strung together, you know, a decade of sustained success, I think this group out here would challenge anybody in the country. Mm. I, I would want to say then directly to you, there's the level of courage when we're talking about our armed forces, our police officers. That's a level of courage that none of us really, truly comprehend. Yeah. But going into a different aspect of courage. Thank you. I mean, there's a yeah. great deal of courage for your transformation for how you came out of the DUI that made our society better yeah. and the courage to then sit here and talk about things that you don't want to talk about. Yeah. Neither of us know the ramifications of this conversation as we're having it, yeah. but your will to do it under the mindset of for the people that are in that building and really for all of us as fans because yeah. we're a better city if our football team does better yeah. and if people feel more engaged in the office yeah. that could translate to win so this was courageous of you well so thank, thank you. you i you know the courageous thing i think is probably a a, a step or two or three too far but uh, i am uh, i think that's one thing that i've learned on the journey this last five years is i have to have a willingness to you know uh you know, to, to 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 speak uh speak up when needed and and like I said, and, and you were very gracious about this. I, I didn't ask for this. I didn't, you know, I had a, a nice, peaceful existence going on, working on some stuff in Europe with soccer over there and all this. But uh, when things laid out the way they did, it's like you were a little shocked when I called. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. No, it's, it's like, but shame on me if I, you know, like, I, it's it's one thing to say, 
you know, here's how I want to live my life. But if you don't in, in those moments stand up and, you know, I just there were a couple of things that went on that just weren't right. I just yeah. felt like it. And then, you know, the one was personal to me and I got to stand up for myself at some point, yeah. too. So appreciate your words, though. Thank you. Thanks, my friend. Absolutely. Great seeing you. That's Ron Miniger, former COO of the Arizona Cardinals. And we owe you a thank you for sitting here on WTSMTV.com and watching our special edition of Doug Franz Unplugged, in which we're trying to make our community a little better and putting the community spotlight on somewhere that there's some dark corners there, but maybe we can lift it up and bring them out of the light. So thank you for being a member of WTSMTV.com and the Unplugged Army. God bless. So there's five days worth. It was a three-hour conversation on Veterans Day this last Saturday with the former COO of the Arizona Cardinals, Ron Miniger, with lots of things to talk about. I'd love your feedback on the entire week for uh, coming up on Town Hall Tuesday at Unplugged Doug. Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com to email or on Instagram at DougFranzUnplugged and tell me what you thought I did, how well I did, what you thought of the conversations and anything that you could do to help make uh, Doug Franz unplugged better. Very special thanks to Izzy, Jeff Weir Production, CEO Chris, and all the work that you guys did putting that together on that Saturday. I thought it was uh, it was highly successful in my opinion. All right, coming up next, we have a lot to do. Got a huge weekend in Phoenix sports to talk about with uh, two Coyotes games, both ASU and U of A in action against ranked teams in major, major home games. And I just had my evil arch rival send me a fantasy football trade. We need the Organic Football Podcast to help me out. Hopefully that's all coming up next on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now it's big it's juicy it's meaty get your burrito at burrito express if you're having a hangover a bad day even a good day still get your burrito at burrito express it will make you feel better man i um I really, again, appreciate, sorry to go back to something I already said, but I really appreciate Ron Miniger's time. I went through some thank yous there. I didn't just say, thank you, Ron Miniger. And it was like I said at the end, um, I want to carefully use the word courage. You know what I mean? Because none of us rank with uh, with our police police getting up every day and going to work full well knowing that could be their last day. Um then there is the uh, first responders across the board. And then, of course, I hope I've done a good job supporting our military, at least verbally. And I know I've done some things behind the scenes for what all those. I mean, there's there's courage. The famous story of everybody else is running down the stairs. Firefighters are going up, things like that. But if we remove that element of courage and it's just 
sticking your neck out and doing something you're really uncomfortable doing, but you think it's the right decision. That's courageous, too. And uh, so and I, and I put Ron Miniger in that category for coming out and, and doing that. And uh, and I want to tell you something. I don't think this is off the record, but I want to tell you something behind the scenes from Ron. When I approached him about doing this and wanting that long form of a conversation, that detailed of a conversation, and I was very blunt and said, and I'm going to go after your credibility in the beginning because that's the only way to establish your credibility. So you, as a member of the Unplugged Army, get to look at him in the eye if you're watching on WTSMTV.com, or at least hear the way he responds to each question to show are his words that are coming later about the Cardinals something for you to believe in? I was going to ask him, questions uh, about his sobriety and uh, what struck me as the most important thing to him in that entire conversation was two things and two things only that were important to him he claimed multiple times I don't want this to be a hit piece on Michael Bidwell and number two he said I want to defend the people that work in that building and, and I want to help by possibly my words, pushing more change and pushing less of a toxic environment. And neither of us have have worked for the Cardinals either in my life or him in the last three years to really know whether the things the Cardinals say recently, hey, we've implemented these changes. It's a much different place. They say that. And sometimes statements like that are true in certain businesses. And sometimes they're basically full of crap and it's all a PR stunt. And when you look at the drastic, ridiculous, unprofessional, and in my opinion, dishonest PR stunt that that organization tried to pull uh, about seven, eight, nine months ago, back in April, after the Terry McDonough arbitration filing, I don't know whether to believe him or not, but I still give Ron Miniger an awful lot of courage points for standing up and doing that, thinking maybe I can help the people that worked so hard underneath me when I used to work there. So he spent if, 20 years there. He spent 20 years there, 2,000. A lot of remember, relationships. Remember to count the zero, Jeff Weir Production. Everybody forgets to count the zero when you're doing the math. So 2,000 all the way to the end of 2019. You're right. I, uh, I have a lot of respect for him. I have a lot of respect for him. And I realize that's a, that's a difficult subject for us to talk about. I mean, here's a man that we're lucky. As a society, he didn't hurt anybody. Uh, he admitted in other occasions multiple times that he believes now that he probably drove drunk. And uh, the worst one being when he got caught with the DUI. But, uh, wow, three years of sobriety and reflecting and wanting to do that interview only under the context that it wasn't a Michael Bidwell hit piece and that uh, he thought it could protect and, and help promote the workers there and change because they're there because they want to be there. And they're there because they're the biggest Cardinals fans, too. And so all of us think, hey, we care deeply about the Cardinals. But let's face it, football's an escape for a lot of us, you know. Let's take our real problems and push them to the side and only care about our team this weekend. Honestly, that's why I love to golf so much. It's like, what a privileged life I have that I can get this mad on the golf course. My life is going so well, I can get this mad at my golf shots. You know, that's how I kind of look at it to relieve steam. You think about the business employees 
of the Arizona Cardinals. Wow. I mean, they go into work every day and the entire mood of the office is partially set by whether people they have no control over succeeded on Sunday before. That's kind of strange. Then their whole job is hopefully to try to set everybody else up for success and to live vicariously through other people. That's not an easy job. And yet, so they have more at stake for Cardinal success than any of us do. So uh, it was really, it, it, it hit me pretty good in a lot of different areas. And hopefully uh, I succeeded in, in you feeling that same way. I want to play something for you. There's an enormous debate going on in football. And I want to tell you, I, I have opinions about football that uh, some people would consider very controversial and downright sociopathic, I bet. Some people will, will think I'm just a, a terrible person for some of my thoughts on football. But before I say those opinions, I want you to watch this. This is last night. Bengals, a, um, a, a loser on the road at Baltimore. If you're listening to the podcast, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, tune in. I understand you won't see it. I would love for you to join at least the basic level of WTSMTV.com. So if you miss it, uh, any part of the show, you're always able to go back and watch it on demand because I think this is important. Okay. Here is the tackle that possibly ended the season of Mark Andrews. It's a bad ankle sprain. Here we go. Andrews with the catch. And then when he gets tackled, that's called the hip drop. If you're wondering the hip drop tackle. And now Mark Andrews limps off terribly, and he doesn't return for that game. And then after the game, there's a comment that's made by Jim Harbaugh saying that, or excuse me, John Harbaugh, that's saying that he thinks that was season ending, and we'll see what ends up um, happening. I bring that up to you in order for you to kind of judge that play on your own. In which do you think that's a dirty play that needs to be taken out of the game? And what I mean by dirty play is the way people are tackling now, the reason why it's called the hip drop. And if you could, Jeff, we production. I don't know if you have the ability to do this. because I don't know television production at all. Could you mute the sound and play that again? Like the, so there's no sound. Is that possible? Yes. Yeah. Do me a favor and do that again. And let's really focus on uh, and hit it whenever you're ready. Um, let's really focus on the drop of the hips. Wrap up, tackle, and then do you see how the legs just fall and almost wrap around Mark Andrews? Okay. What the discussion is, that tackle might be taken out of the game. At some point, they might say that's illegal when you just drop your weight and you fall into the back of the legs of any ball carrier. It originally started with the horse collar tackle. You would grab, like grabbing the guy on the back of of the shoulder pads, that's really not that big of a deal. It really isn't. It doesn't cause injury that you grab somebody on the back and as their runs go out forward, you yank them backwards, okay? Not the end of the world at all. The negative of the horse collar tackle is people would grab them and then drop their weight into the back of the legs of the receiver or the ball carrier. And now you're yanking them back and bending them backwards as you land on their legs. So they get bent backwards and you can easily tear a knee or an ankle. That was why the horse collar tackle was taken out of the game. A lot of people don't realize 
the horse collar tackle is actually legal to do on a quarterback when they're in the pocket. So if you ever flip out because you think a quarterback got horse collared, the question you have to ask yourself is, was the quarterback a runner? If they weren't a runner, it's legal. Because the reason why they didn't want to take that out is imagine you're running, it's called running the hoop. So you're running around as a defensive end trying to get around the left tackle. And as you go around, you see the quarterback and you reach out and you grab him and you grab the back of his shoulder pads and yank him down. That's not a horse collar. And the reason why is because it's, you want to be able to grab at the ball and it's too hard to be able to grab and drop your body into the quarterback as you're being t- uh, blocked. So they decided that's legal in that case. But if the quarterback leaves the pocket and you do that, now that's a horse collar. So it's legal inside the pocket, if you didn't know that. But that's why horse collars were taken out. Now there's a lot of strong talk that this play is going to be taken out as well. Now here's my opinion that a lot of people won't like okay that was logan wilson by the way if you're wondering who made that tackle wrapped up and you can just see him drop his whole body his legs just kind of it's like you make your body limp and then your your hips just fall into the receiver's legs he goes down i i accept a gladiator mentality to the game of football because of the financial situation some people think i'm a horrible person for saying that because I have, I've seen the effects of CTE in the sense of reading about it. I know no one in my life that is close to me, played the game of football at any level, and I've ever noticed you might have some CTE issues. Now, when I say I've noticed, keep in mind if you don't understand CTE – Technically, the only way to be able to judge CTE is with a brain scan and by, I think, uh, dissection, I think. I think you got, I mean, but basically you can only tell for sure if the person's dead on whether or not they suffered from CTE. And it creates terrible mental problems going forward if you develop it. I know quite a few football players that I haven't seen with weird spouts of irritability that I don't already think is part of their personality anyway, things like that. So I want to tread lightly because this is a subject that is not my forte at all. But I believe we need to have strict safety protocols for young players as they move up the ladder. But every level, I think there's such a massive reward with the game of football. What it teaches you discipline-wise as a high schooler to push you to places you didn't think you could go. I think that's really important. College football, I'm not even talking about the NILs. If you truly use it to get a free education, the discipline it takes to play college football successfully and get a college degree if you choose to work hard is so worth it to me the injury risk that's involved in playing football and then once you get to the nfl level i i know i don't want anybody to die out there of course not i hope you don't think i'm a jerk but i look at it and say for the amount of money the player is making 
they have the right to retire at any time. They have the right in our society to say, you know what, I've got my college degree. I don't want to run the risk of what CTE could do to me later. I'm going to end my football career now, either by not going pro or only playing for three years, bowing out early like Chris Borland did, whatever it might be. But I, I consider this part of the wussification of football that we're even looking at either Logan Wilson as being a dirty player or somebody has a problem with this and says that tackle has to be taken out of the game because I look at it as how many times are we going to stop defenses from being able to do their job, all right? I, I don't like that. I say let them play and – I want to see the game. I like the big hits of football. It's why I watch football. And I don't agree with what are called a lot of the safety measures that are involved in the game. And a lot of people think that makes me a terrible person. No, I'm not rooting for headshots. I'm not rooting for people to die on the field. I'm not rooting for that. But I do think in our society, when you say, I'm going to play in the NFL, you're the one taking that risk. And I think you're well compensated for that risk. And so I, I want to stand up now and say I'm against what I totally believe is going to happen, which is at the end of this year, I totally believe the competition committee is going to ban the hip drop tackle. And what really bothers me about that is I think they're so overprotective of quarterbacks now. I think some of the roughing the passer calls are an embarrassment to the game of football. And it makes, to me, the game less enjoyable. If my team on a third down gets a sack and a huge stop and suddenly it's a first down because the player didn't quite turn his body enough during the sack and part of his stomach landed on part of the rib cage of the quarterback, suddenly let's throw a flag. I don't like that. I don't like that. And I think now we're going to give referees even more control to try to say, that's a bad tackle. So I, I, I'm not a fan of that at all. And uh, I thought it was important that I tell you that. And then you obviously have the opportunity to judge me by that, whether or not I'm being fair to the athletes that are playing the game. Coming up tomorrow, or excuse me, coming up Sunday here on WTSMTV.com, the Organic Football Podcast. And Brad Smith is joining us right now, co-host of the show, to talk fantasy with me. And uh, Brad, you're going to be shocked by this. Uh, in the conversation of that just happened, which is the actually name of the team of my evil arch rival, in which he has offered me a trade. Still trying to no get way. a still trying to get a quarterback. So it's funny because he just grabbed Kyler Murray off of waivers, so maybe he wants a backup because the bye week is coming up for the Cardinals uh, a little bit after Thanksgiving, or just to hedge his bet with Kyler. So off the top of your head, which is hard because you have not seen this trade at all, tell me if you like this. I would be giving him George Kittle, and normally George Kittle is on the bench for for me because he has mark andrews so he needs a tight end okay i have evan ingram as my normal starter so i would be giving him george kittle so he has him to replace mark andrews and i would be giving him to a tongue of iloa who is my backup quarterback to um lamar jackson i would be receiving raheem mostert derrick henry and puka from the wide receiver from the rams and all you're giving up is two and kittle Yes, two players that normally are backups. 
Do it. Okay. Man, I'm glad you're here. Now, I want to make sure everybody knows this. Just because I am on daily on WTSMTV.com, Brad Smith isn't doing this to suck up. They do it for you all the time. So if you are a fantasy football player, reach out to Organic Football Podcast. Go over trade ideas or trade offers. They'll help you with your starting lineup. Brad, how do people get a hold of you in order to get the great info I just got from you? Well, they can go to our DM page on our Instagram. You know, they can write into the studio any way they want to get a hold of us. They can come to our Facebook page. Send us your questions. We'll be glad to answer it. Our trade line is unfortunately ended. It ended on Wednesday. So I have some withdrawals going on right now. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, our teams are our teams right now. I feel like I've kind of built a good roster. And hopefully just everyone stays healthy. Because, I mean, yeah. if you watch last night, Andrews went out, Burrow went out. It looked like Jackson was about to go out. So those are some big-time injuries. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, I'm a guy with Lamar Jackson, so I'm a little nervous to give up Tua because what am I losing when his favorite red zone target is gone with, with Mark Andrews? I just think he's going to run the ball more. But that does oh, put him at better. risk to get hurt. So Yeah, yeah. Very uh, a very good point. I'm getting ready to uh, um, bring in friend Steve McCollum from the main event. But before I do, give me more what's coming up on the, uh, uh, on the Organic Football Podcast on Sunday. On Sunday, you got me and Rich. We're going to be there at 11 a.m. So uh, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. I'm sorry. Right. One hour before the shows, uh, the games, and we're going to give you all your sits, your injuries, who you should start. Uh, every last minute, even an illness can come in and you got to get ready for that backup. And there's certain kind of strategies you can do. If you got a guy going early Thursday and he's a running back, have him start in your running back position. So in case someone gets hurt later, you have the flexibility to go running back or wide receiver. So there's certain things you can do. And we'll go over that on Sunday and kind of give you all the info. Great. Can't wait to have it. Sorry, I'm getting rid of you early. I owe you a beer. And uh, thanks for your time. And uh, most importantly, I agree with you. So I thank you for your advice on the trade because I wouldn't have done it without you. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Sorry I was late today. Oh, don't don't apologize at all. Because you know what? I don't want you to know this, but we asked you to come on at 7.15 and we weren't ready for another five minutes after that. So how can we get mad at you when we were... It's like I knew. You did. You did. We were running a little late too. Good to talk to you. See you, Brad. Have a great weekend. All right, thanks, Doug. Have You're welcome. So don't forget, Brad Smith coming up, organic football show with Rich. It'll be Sunday, 10 o'clock, kickoff at 11. Now at 8 o'clock this morning, Steve McCollum is in from 8 to 10 with the main event with Dale Hellestray. But I, I always have to ask Steve on occasion, is Dale in today or has he got one of his uh, road trips for football? Yeah, no, he's in today. Oh, good, good, good. He's going to miss a Friday show now. Come on, <laughs> I'm here. I can't keep up with Dale's uh, yeah, either schedule. Can, either can I. He's a gamer. Especially with the holiday schedule coming up next week next week it'll just be world where in the world is dale <laughs> we could have his little face pop up in different continents exactly um your opinion <laughs> of the wilson tackle of mark andrews do you think it's, that should go away from football yeah it's uh i mean he's being called dirty today because he don't don't you you did you mention this i didn't hear it uh he also hurt uh lamar jackson with that tackle mm-hmm. uh, and uh who's the other guy uh, uh, odell beckham jr with that tackle so people are flat out calling him dirty here's my theory on that if it's legal do it and he's not the only one that does it um yeah but i I, the reason why they do that tackle is because you've restricted the way they can hit people 
already so they do that tackle to ensure it's safe uh do they need to get rid of it if injuries are going to happen probably uh but we're in this boat because of the restrictions they have on defensive guys hitting guys Mm, my opinion is simple and it's very close to yours i think is that nothing's dirty if it's legal i agree 100 percent. you know now we could argue it should or should not be legal and to me i I look at it and a lot of people are going to be offended by this with the way the players are compensated yes i I think every player has the right to choose that risk. So it's wrong of us. Like, do you remember Chris Borland? He was a linebacker out of Wisconsin. He retired extremely early. Yeah, like, I don't well, even think he signed a second contract. We've seen that. We've seen that rash. A 49er guy retired yeah, you know, before yeah. a second deal. We, we're seeing that a lot now because they're making enough money in their first Exactly. Contract. And I, I think that is, I mean, all of us have a right to any opinion, but yeah. I think it's wrong to for anybody to rip a guy for saying, I'm done. No, it's with, ridiculous. You're an American. You decided to retire. You decided to retire. <laughs> So that's their business. But at the same time, I don't think it's right to say, I want more money. I want to go in. I want to continue my career and then be all bent out of shape about what the rules are of of the game. Well, I mean, and I heard you say the horse collar was uh, outlawed because it hurt. No, no. It was outlawed because it took out T.O. and the Eagles (laughs) were winning a Super Bowl that year. Uh, These rules get changed and adjusted when big stars get injured by these moves. Otherwise, they don't care. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and last night, I mean, was that just a typical Thursday night game? And this, I mean, NFL needs to get rid of uh, Thursday night football games, in my oh, opinion, I'm because they're, that. first of all, they're bad football. Uh, too, man, God, the injuries last night made it pretty much unwatchable at times. And, you know, and I tuned into that game. If that was a Sunday game, that would have been a fantastic game. I'm totally to with go. you. Yeah. I am. Now, I realize, and this is why I do blast the players. The players would have been allowed to block Thursday night football, mm-hmm. and they saw the salary cap go up. Yeah. They know how much at one time Fox was paying for it, and then at one time how much Amazon's paying for it. So they accept it. <laughs> yeah. They're okay with it when they get the money, but then yeah. they want to turn around and, and the, blast it. Yeah, the issue that you got, though, is there's ways to do the schedule to where they're not playing on a Sunday late window mm-hmm. game and then Thursday night, right? right. Uh, they can play Sunday morning. Or, you know, give them two, go back to two bye weeks, and if you play Thursday night, you get the week off before and the week off after. It's not that hard to do to figure it out, but it's all about the money. The NFL yep. has yep. vision of a really good football team against two great teams last night. It turned out to be an injury fest. You know, it's funny you bring that up about the schedule because I've always had this beef. Number one, when it first started Thursday Night Football, they were kind of fair about it. They said every every team's going to have a Thursday night game. Deal with it. And then they tried to make that sound fair. And then they still (laughs) butchered it because I don't know if a lot of people notice this. Almost every year since Thursday Night Football started, when the Dallas Cowboys get a Thursday night game, it's always the Thursday night after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, so yeah, the Cowboys off, still yeah. keep the tradition of a home game on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then if you say, well, they had to travel just like every other team. Okay. But they did it after a full week. Yeah. They didn't. They don't play on a short road week ever if you're the yeah. Cowboys. I mean, if it was about safety, the Kansas City Chiefs wouldn't be going what they're going through now. It's something like a minus 20 rest window, meaning the teams they play for the next like five weeks have 20 more rest days go- leading into that game than they I didn't do. know that. That's really and, good. And uh, yeah, Lou brought that 
that to our attention. Actually, beginning of the season, when he said go under the 11.5, 10.5 that the Chiefs were for the season. And, uh, I mean, if this was about safety, Great we wouldn't point. be doing that stuff, right? It's not about safety, folks. It's about the NFL making money, and they perceive it safety, and that's all it is. Yeah, well, I'm really uh, – I, I don't know if this is part of your plan today, but I'm really interested in you and Dale getting into that as the former yeah. player, whether he blasts well, people like I, me who say, yeah. hey, go be a gladiator. You signed up for the money. Yeah, I think I'm going to speak for Dale here. I think – so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess here, but it is going to be something I'm bringing up because I have the same play with Mark Andrews, and I actually wanted to ask him that question oh, as great. an ex-player. So you're, you're on the same thought process as me. But I, I have a feeling, and I'm just going to you know say this guess? and let's see if I'm right. I have a feeling he's going to be on the side of – Play as hard as you can, do whatever's legal, you know, but we're all brothers out there. Meaning, you know, hit the crap out of us, play within the lines. But at the end of the day, we're still NFL players. Treat us with respect. I think Meaning do don't go too. low blow. I but think I think that's gonna really? be his response. Because what's I the difference? What's the difference between it's legal and don't do it? No, no, that's what I'm saying. If okay. it's legal, by, by all means, do it. If it's legal. We don't like it, we'll, oh, but we'll enforce it on the side. but you think he's going to take that rule and, or apply that rule, no more hip drops? No, no. I'm saying – what I'm saying is it's legal, so it's accept, okay. it's our okay. job to stop them from doing it. Yeah. What yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'm at okay. is he, he's fine within the context of the rule. Okay. Because then I, I think what he'll say, and I could be completely off base. It's weird since he's sitting next to me. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> That's a good build-up, you know, though. But I think he's going to say that, and then but it's our job to enforce it. So if you take out our guy like that, it's our, we're going to come back at you. Yeah. But what I mean by we're still brothers out there, meaning we're still players. So we're not going to go and be dirty against you. Kind of like when they when players get dirty against the rules and do shady stuff. I think that's kind of where the line is drawn because we're all out there trying to earn a paycheck. I, I like that, that opinion, sense? even though we don't know if he agrees. with. Yeah, us. we'll find <laughs> out. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, but I hear that. I've heard that from players before. Like, hey, man, it's, it's with the rules. If you do something kind of like baseball, right? You throw up and in on a guy. You know, I hate when the referee, uh, when the umpires get involved. No, let the players yeah, enforce yeah. it. Uh, and if they don't like it, you're going to know they don't like it because they'll respond and that type of stuff. And I think that's, I think that'll be the opinion. But we'll see. I don't know. I'm guessing. I like throwing out a versus Vegas to you. And I, and I admit, I'm not touching this game because I really do believe in a changed Kyler Murray. But at the same time, <laughs> the Texans are on fire. It's Cardinals plus five. Yes. That seems like a uh, good – I'm not touching it, but it seems like a good number. FanDuel to, has four and a half. Really? To I like believe? four and a half better than five. That's the only reason I oh, said that. Oh, so are you saying that because you're more of a Texans guy on this? Uh, you think they oh, cover? Texans. Okay. So Texans are taking a step back this week. C.J. Stroud had such a great game yeah, last week exactly. that offense did. They're going to take a step back. Uh, I think what – so the question is, can the Cardinals' defense keep it close enough at the end where it let Kyler Murray go and win it? Uh, the answer is no. Okay. Okay. That's Car- Cardinal. I mean, Houston's winning this game, and they're going to cover. Oh, wow. All right. There you go. Today's versus Vegas is presented by the guts of Steve McCollum and the lack of fortitude from me, because I'm not touching that game. I... I really believe in Kyler, but not enough to put my money on it. So what's the – let me see what the uh, money line is. Houston – oh, no way. Houston minus 218, meaning you got to spend $218 to just win 100 Or for someone like me, spend $2.18 to win a buck. Would I spend two bucks – would I buy – would I look at that – would I buy a beer for the Houston Texans in the hopes of getting a half a beer? No, I would not. No, I would not. 
I, I, I really believe in Kyler, but not enough to wager on Kyler. And I like what Steve said there. I kind of focus on a letdown from Houston when they're looking at a team as crappy as the uh, Cardinals. But keep in mind, it's not the Dallas area, but it's still Kyler in Texas, and he plays very well in Texas. There's a lot there. A lot there to break down, break down, break down. Uh, And again, I'm not touching it. Okay. For me yesterday, I kind of went wussification in which my only game that I played, Baltimore on the money line over Cincinnati. The reason why it's wussification, and this is really important for you non-gamblers to understand when I give my my record. My my record improved to uh, 1040, 942, and 7. 1040, 942, and 7. And the reason why a gambler rejects that openly, my record, is because, for an example, last night, I take the Ravens at minus 180. Well, a lot of gamblers are saying, listen, if I'm betting money line all the time and just looking at my record, I'm going to do outstanding. That's not what's hard. What's hard is making sure you make money on gambling. That's all that should matter. So there's no way to know where I'm at financially when I just say, here's my record. The problem is I didn't know that when I started way back at the beginning of Doug Franz Unplugged in 2021. So therefore, I was like, well, I've already gone down this path. I'm not going to try to go back and remember what was the line, what were the units, blah, blah, blah. So I just started going with record ever since. That's why last night is a great example of that, is I won the game. But at minus 180, you know, it's like you walk into a restaurant and they say, okay, the mozzarella sticks are $7. And you say, okay, I want the mozzarella sticks, but I want to pay $10 for them. All right. Well, I still got the mozzarella sticks. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's kind of something like that. I hope that made sense and that was a, a decent reference. So that was yesterday's game. Today and over the weekend, I got a bunch And that always makes me nervous when I have a lot because I'm on an incredible roll right now, if you didn't know. In the past four weeks, I'm over 60% of getting the games right. 60%. That's phenomenal. That's a real-life heater. So hopefully this uh, heater uh, keeps on going. The official number overall is I'm at 46 and 31 over right around my last 70, 80 games. So here we go. Detroit's on the back end of a back-to-back in which they had to go through customs flying from uh, Canada to Detroit. I only care about the customs back end of a back-to-back, and Toronto's better than they are. So I love Toronto, minus uh, covering the puck line, minus one and a half tonight at Detroit. Um, On Sunday's game, I'm looking at the NHL. I don't know the line yet, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you now, take a look at this, barring injury. Philadelphia is home against the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets will be on their third game in four days and on the back end of a road back-to-back. As long as the Flyers don't lose four guys the rest of this weekend, that is a no-brainer to me and as high as giving minus two and a half. So I'm taking the Flyers on this one easy, but admittedly, I might back out if there's a bunch of injuries over the weekend or something like that. But I wanted you to know that up front. I love the Flyers on Sunday. NBA-wise, love the Suns tonight. Suns have to cover five and a half. There's a chance it could be Beal, Booker, and KD, even if it's not. 
I like them coming together and beating Utah tonight, so I'm going to take Phoenix minus the five and a half. LSU was upset by the University of Dayton in college basketball yesterday. And because of that, everybody hates LSU. LSU only has to cover two and a half tonight against the University of North Texas. I love that one. I'm going to take LSU minus the two and a half. Wildcat fans, I'm with you tonight. 25-point spread against Belmont. I think we got that. I think, I've never said we with U of A before. I'm a little embarrassed. I think you can do that, all right? When it's my money, though, I'm kind of cheering for it. So I'm going to take U of A wins 90-57. to 90-57. Big-time blowout. I'm going to take U of A covering the 25 today. Um, I like USC covering the six and a half against UCLA in football this weekend. They uh, they easily win by a touchdown. And Buffalo coming off their embarrassing performance on Thursday night football, but they get the extended buy, the mini buy. So they've been off for a week and a half. They're mad about the situation and they're home against the lowly Jets. And it's an only a touchdown spread. Love it. I'm going to take Buffalo laying the touchdown. It's a full minus seven. I still take Buffalo over the Jets. And that is my versus Vegas today. And that's your week of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. If you have not done it yet, please, please show the love. As a member of the Unplugged Army, go to unplugged.whirlwind.com, unplugged.whirlwind.com. Jeff Weir Production, you're fantastic. I don't know how to say this any more clear. Even if you're not a golfer and you're thinking about it, it is the best deal in the city to play a premier course at dramatically reduced prices. It's almost like buying a season pass. You still pay for your golf, but you get it at the lowest rate if you're a Whirlwind Plus member. And they're going to have other functions as well that are invite only to Whirlwind Plus members. Unplugged at whirlwind.com. Hey, if you're hungry or you want to get a beer this weekend, great places. Bell's National Kitchen, Scottsdale, right off of right on Main Street, just a hair east of Scottsdale Road. The 100 Mile Brewing Company, Tempe Rural, Scottsdale Road, and uh, the 202. And of course, Rosati's, you could go there as well at Ray and McQueen in, uh, in Chandler. Burrito Express, great breakfast burrito. And Parker and Sons for your air conditioning. Have a great weekend. The main event's up next.